Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Anusha and I'll be your host for today. Welcome to Mike's webinar series, Road to Recovery. Episode 8, Business Value and Opportunities for the IoT Infrastructure Development. With us today, we have our moderator, Technologies, Zulkifli Mohammad, Senior Principal Analyst 1 at Sustainable Development Technologies with Division Might. He has more than 28 years of working experience in the field of manufacturing, in automotive and electronics industry, as well as transportation. Also joining us today, our distinguished panelists, Dr. Mazlan Abbas, co-founder and CEO of Favorite Syndrome Berhad, Dr. Mohamed Fahmi Ngah, Managing Director of Smart Selangor Delivery Unit, Norman L. Gilfdorf, President of Honeywell ASEAN, and our final panelist is Datuk Mohamed Rauf Nasir, Country President of Motorola Solutions. Now, with pleasure, I would like to invite technologist Zulkifli Mohammad to begin our discussion today. Mr. Zul? Okay, thank you, Anusha. A very good afternoon to all our audience and also our panelists. I believe since Anusha has introduced the panelists, uh, okay, generally, I would like to start the session by giving a brief overview or introduction on this topic. As you know, today we are going to discuss on the business value and opportunities for IoT infrastructure development. Okay, so what is IoT? Generally, as you know, that in advancement in information and communication technology are the drivers of smart city scope and scale. The rapid progression is transforming smart city infrastructure with the emergence of IoT. The fields of electronics and computer science have combined to create one important technology advance that is the Internet of Things. It is the capability to overcome the stress in urbanization, create new experience for city dwellers, and also to make communities' daily living more comfortable and secure in one way or the other. As for your information, in, in one of our foresight analysts on the trend of the future, the Digital Society and IoT, Malaysia was ranked number 31st in 2018 in the world most tech-ready countries with approximately 150% mobile phone penetration. You know, that means more than every person in Malaysia use more than one handphone, okay? Of course, in the... Uh, era of hyper-connectedness is on to us, connecting not only people, but also process and things. The IoT-connected device installed based worldwide from 2015 to 2025 in billions, and the data that we collected from KPMG, that is by 2025, the connectedness will increase by almost threefold, which is from 15 billions in 2015 to about 75.14 billion is actually fivefold. Eh? So you can see that there is a great demand in IoT device in the future. Okay. And IoT has seen as an exponential growth owing to the readiness of the ecosystem of various other technologies resulting in the building use case that impact human life 
and connectivity is the foundational lever of the IoT. If we look into the smart cities development, smart cities have been one of the strongest enablers okay, for this IoT. And the cities today never cater to dynamic demands of citizens. And many cities are competing to provide improved living conditions and environmental sustenance and economic vitality. And then from the survey of 350 projects worldwide, and this data also from KPNG, the global share of IoT project shows that smart city projects in IoT segment has the biggest project value and has increased from the year 2018 by 23%. In America, the share is about 34% of IoT project in smart cities, and in Europe also about 20, 34%. And in Asia Pacific, we are only about 18% and it's keep on growing. Okay, we need to identify the smart cities, what the needs of the smart cities, authority and industry players in the IoT ecosystem, and how does this can capture our business value. This webinar will open a better understanding of the IoT business value opportunities and landscape through the different ways that can be created and captured in IoT infrastructure development. Okay, generally. That is how we see IoT and how does it impacts and, and the increasing demand of IoT globally and also in the region. So to begin with, I would like to invite our panelists to give a short brief upon the topic. We shall begin with uh, Dr. Maslan. Okay, Doc. IoT is defined differently by various entities which lead to a real difficulty of understanding the meaning of IoT. Additionally, it's not easy to get a big picture of IoT because different industries and business tend to add their own perspective to the IoT concept, depending on their interests you know, and approaches. In your experience, Dr. Maslan, can you share the overall context of IoT infrastructure in the, in the, in the context of infrastructure development? Doc, please. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Zul. Thank you very much to Mike for uh, inviting us. I think one of the things I have slightly different view what uh, Mr. Zhu mentioned just now about mm -hmm. which is the enabler, because you did mention earlier that smart city is the enabler for IoT. I would say it's a slightly different way because mm -hmm. IoT itself is the enabler for smart cities. So uh, what we are seeing now is that okay, if you if you look at in in the context of smart city, for example, uh, when we see the the people are moving to, to the urban areas in the future. We, it will cause, like you said, big strain to the urban resources, right? So we have difficulty to live comfortably and economically. So people are moving to urban to find jobs, causing this uh, big, dense population congestion and pollution. So with that, you see that the assets. So you take a look at smart city contact. What are the assets? So the assets can be the whole infrastructure, the services, the things that we use as this citizen and also the stakeholders. So these assets, if we see that once it's being strained, uh, there is a problem with the asset. So you have, you need a way to monitor that. Normally, when people want to monitor assets, they need to be physically at the assets. So, but in IoT, it's slightly different. So IoT comprises of four components. So this is how we define Internet of Things in various sectors. Either it can be in a smart city area or not. It must have sensors, sensors which replace all the human sensors into digital form, in digital form. So human have five sensors, so we need different sensors. 
uh, which is in digital form like uh, like temperature, humidity, pressure, gas, and so on and so forth. So the second component, you need a way to send the data out. It must have some form of connectivity. So you can use whatever current uh, connectivity now from Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, 3G, 4G, 5G, and all that. And then you must have a platform, a way for you to collect all the data. Eh? So you need to, the sensors to send the data onto a single platform so that you can open up this data for the fourth component, which is the application. So in the context of smart city, you will see that the assets of the smart city, uh, of the cities needs to be monitored through sensors. So instead of having human to monitor assets, you need sensors to be monitored. Either the assets to be attached to that, uh, the sensors to be attached with that uh, assets, or you can put some infrastructure to monitor it. For example, mm. uh, apa tu, the, 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 the uh, traffic light, you know, so the congestion, uh, the, the water quality and all that. So you need sensors to do that. So you need infrastructure to send the data out. You need a platform, a smart city IoT platform to collect the data. And then you have an applications to, to, you know, to monitor it, to manage the, the solution. So that is how what smart city is about, four components. Okay. Okay, thank you, Dr. Maslan, for the short introduction. Generally, you are stressing more on the asset or on how we're going to monitor our asset. Oh, yes, of course, you need the, the medium that is the sensors and then connectivity. Without connectivity, you know, you don't talk about any uh, IoT or so forth. Of course, the platform is very important to have a common platform and the platform that we rely on. Now we'll go to Dr. Raouf eh, from uh, Motorola. Okay, the deployment of IoT infrastructure seems to face several obstacles, such as a lack of employee management, IoT skill and knowledge, security and safety measures, and also big data management. Uh, here, as a Motorola locally based but international, you know, as an MNC in Malaysia, can you explain on the strategies by Motorola on how to overcome such obstacles? and challenges to implement the IoT infrastructure development in terms of skills and knowledge by the local and also by the national. Okay. So we just need some view from the Motorola side. After you, Dr. Raouf. Okay. Um, thank you very much, uh, Jezo. Assalamualaikum. Yes. Yeah. Three to four minutes. Yeah. All right. So just, just let me quickly um, give an introduction about Motorola Solution Malaysia before I answer your questions. So, uh, okay. Malaysia has been in Malaysia for 45 years, and Malaysia has been a very strategic country for Motorola solution. Uh, today, um, uh, we have a global operation here in Malaysia, um, uh, and business is also quite key and important to Motorola as far as Malaysia is concerned. Uh, I'm very proud to say that um, our largest R&D outside of North America uh, based here in Malaysia. And we do a lot of um, R&D development. And 98% uh, of the R&D, we have about 1,000 R&D engineers, and 98% of them are all uh, Malaysian. In terms of uh, our business, Malaysia is also very important. Uh, one of our key customers in this region are also here in Malaysia. So, um, so that is Motorola Solution Malaysia. As far as the Motorola Solutions, our, our corporate organization, we are a global leader in mission, critical communication, and analytics. We yeah. have created 
mission critical ecosystem built based on public safety by leveraging the IoT infrastructure. So our technology and platform in mission critical communication, command center software, video security and analytics are wrapped together by our support services and managed services that will help the city to continue to grow and make it the city safer. So that is basically what Motorola core business is. Now, I mentioned earlier about our R&D facility in Penang, right? So we do a lot of these um, development in software development, next generation uh, communication, and IoT is definitely one of them. So the advanced R&D that we are doing in our facility in Penang, which 1,000 plus R&D engineers, where 98% of them are local, this is where we are in a unique position to contribute uh, to the uh, challenges that we are facing in this area. So, so we can leverage on the facility that we have in Penang, the skill, the knowledge, and the experience that we have, and with the project that we have together with our customers. So this is where we can actually help to grow the ecosystem of skill and knowledge in this particular area. Uh, Dato, just uh, yes, to I'm I'm interested very interesting your mission critical communication. So can you a bit deliberate what is mission critical communication? Huh? Is it related to security or the army or yeah. police? Yeah, thank you for for answer, uh, asking that. Mission critical. So our mission critical communication system uh, is dealing as a matter of life and death. Right, so we, for example, we provide a mission critical communication solution to police, right? So police in a critical situation where they're chasing the criminals, whether or not they should shoot or whether or not they should uh, basically catch the criminal. Oh, so, yeah, so we provide that, and that is the term that we use, mission critical communication. Whenever that is required, it's readily available to communicate. When you need to talk, you just press and you have immediate, uh, you have immediate people, yeah, on the other side to be able to. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's what you mean by critical communications. Mm, okay. Thank you, Dato, for your uh, brief explanation about the uh, Motorola and also what do they do and what mission critical communication mean. Very interesting. Now we move to uh, Mr. Norm Gilsdorf from Honeywell. Mr. Norm, uh, as you know, IoT infrastructure is a network platform with advanced capacity for humans to communicate with the surrounding physical environments and also they are performing various tasks. The main concerns uh, regarding IoT were about the outlook of the business value is unclear for any entities to participate and position itself in the market to be competitive in, in IoT business because it's, it's very wide, you know, the field is where, what, what are the angles that you're going to approach? So as for Honeywell per se, can you share with us Honeywell generally in general, what is your business model in delivering IoT infrastructure development? Because uh, you being in the region, so probably there are different approach by different countries. Can you share with us a bit, Mr. Norm? Uh, certainly, thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me to this, uh, this great uh, panel. First of all, let me give just a brief overview of what Honeywell does in this sure. space of IoT, and then let me get to your specific question. 
Sure. Well, I think many of you know Honeywell's one of the world's leading broad-based industrial companies. We're over a hundred-year history of making great products, sensors, and controls. We've had a long history in Malaysia, where KL is our headquarters for ASEAN and most of Asia Pacific. All of our business units operate out of KL, and we have many manufacturing facilities, R&D, and engineering in the country. Over the last few years, Honeywell's pivoted from being kind of a broad-based industrial company making products and devices to becoming a leading, what we call software industrial company. And what makes Honeywell unique with, with respect to smart cities and IoT is that Honeywell's a leader in designing and manufacturing the sensors and the controllers, the edge devices, the software for connectivity to just about any digital device that's out there, the cloud software for the platform and the artificial intelligence solutions to drive the value benefits of safety, productivity, and sustainability that you can derive from smart city. Remember, we want the, 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 the city or the customer needs value from this. Honeywell's recently introduced what we call Honeywell Forge, which is a platform that enables customers to gather data from multiple sources in a vendor agnostic platform. This platform enables the data to be cleaned up, organized, most importantly, visualized, where you can have KPIs and dashboards. It enables command and control rooms to basically oversee and manage performance. But once this data is there, now you can apply artificial intelligence, to, um, to enable those smart solutions to drive that profitability, security, and sustainability. Lastly, the Forge platform is open so that local companies and local apps can be created and linked to drive local specific solutions. And around the world today, we've been delivering this solution to clients in multiple ways. Let me talk then a little bit about that. We have a very open approach to this. It depends a lot on the customer and the end user. Um, sometimes we've worked as a what you call a master system integrator, where we're helping put together and connect the dots of the sensors, the connectivity, uh, the platform, the, the visibility, the command and control center. Good example of that is our work in Cairo today on the new capital to create for them a command and control center. We also can just provide technology, sensors, edge devices to local integrators and local companies to enable them to implement solutions. Or we can provide software. A good example of this is in Dubai, where we provided a software that enabled all the fire and emergency systems to gather the data and be brought into a center to enable faster response. We also partner with local telecoms to create bespoke solutions to en enable wireless monitoring solutions such as smart metering and billing solutions. We're also a leading provider of energy performance, which is a, a, a way of leveraging IoT, where again, we look at local finance methods to self-finance the investment in IoT. And we've also acted as consultant to governments and entities to define standards and enable policies. 
And lastly, across many of the regions, we try to help build the conversation around IoT with the introduction of our Healthy Building Scorecard, which is a way for end users of buildings to actually assess whether their building is really smart and healthy. So that's just some of the many ways I think IoT is an exciting area mm. where we can do a lot of different things, wow. uh, working with a lot of different local partners. Thank yep. you. Thank you, Norm. Oh, that's a very wide scope and the uh, area that you're covering from technology, platform, integrator, software, provided self-financing, guidance and consultation. Wow, that is a very, I can say, a very wide scope. And we can see here that the, you know, Motorola is in the angle of providing the solutions. And, and also we have also, but the, the question, uh, a quick question now for, to Norm first, uh, generally, Norm, since you are already online with me, uh, generally, but how do you, do you, how do you partner with the locals, especially SMIs, you know, small medium industries? Do you have such a program? And how does this, you can create business opportunities for the local players, you know, because being global, of course, you know, some countries, they they want the local to participate also in the opportunities for oh, IoT products. So Absolutely, absolutely right. And, and a big part of our model is to be partnering with the local entities because to actually implement this stuff to go out and whether it be installing sensors, building command and control centers, uh, bringing together the connectivity, that's work that, that it's best done by the local partners and SMEs. And what we do there is we have a broad network. Some are skilled and in some parts of the business, uh, uh, specifically whether it be around security or fire or safety or buildings. We can provide them the technology, the software. And I guess I would add one important thing going forward is providing the training and helping train them so they understand how to use the technology and how to implement it. So we often put training academies in the regions to help our partners and to help the locals uh, understand the technology. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Uh Back to you, Dr. Mazlan. And uh, I think being a small players, okay, and, uh, I would like to you to share, uh, I think, uh, what are the issues and challenges, you know, doing business value either for government or for GLC, you know, what are the issues and the challenges for this, uh, in, in, especially in the area of IoT infrastructure development? Dr. Mazlan, can you share your issues and challenges? Okay. Uh... We see a lot of challenges, especially for uh, people or startups or small organizations who wants to embark on uh, this bigger uh, implementation or deployment of smart cities. Because as you see, smart cities is such a huge uh, uh, theme and also huge uh, area of work because it can cover many things. As I mentioned to you just now, in smart cities alone, uh, the assets are humongous. So, so there is a need for us to, for example, manage the traffic flows. And these are some applications that you can see. How do you manage the traffic flows? How do you make sure that you can even provide a mobility as a service? How do you uh, provide a service for disaster management? Uh, how can we decrease 
pollution, increase air quality, reduce energy consumption, making sure that our water quality, like what happened previously, uh, there's lack of water and all that. So all of this, you know, creates a lot of opportunities. But uh, also the investment for this sort of thing can be also very high for a lot of smaller companies to, to offer this kind of services. So they need a bigger partner for them to work with. For example, you know, uh, like Motorola, Motorola, you know, from Norm and all that. They need a partner to do that. Or we can work with another party who can, you know, because in in IoT solution, in IoT provider, IoT solution, it's not a single company can provide that. It is like I mentioned to you just now. There are four value chain, right? From sensors, connectivity, connectivity. platform, and all that. So you need special expert expertise for that. So smaller companies are expert in certain areas. So they can provide certain part of it. Like myself, in favorite, we are the platform player. So we are the middleware. So we can provide a platform for smart cities. So they can enable or they can send the data connectivity to the platform so that they can create applications out of that. So that's how we work with. So we need to work together in a very conducive ecosystem so that when we make a proposal to the, the, the city councils, it is a very complete proposal rather than one single proposal because city requires end-to-end -end solutions. Partnership model, yeah. partnership model is very important. And I believe also that uh, as per what Dr. Mazan mentioned, you know, you cannot do everything on your own. So back to you, uh, Dr. Raof. Huh? Okay, in terms of this uh, business model, you know, of course, there are two things that I want to, Dr. Raouf from Motorola to share with us. Actually, is one is at the MNC level, what are the issues, you know, and challenges that you are facing in and uh, on accelerating the business value for IoT, and then what is the right business model, you know, for you, for you to help the SMEs, you know, and to provide opportunities. Now. Because sometimes SMEs got capital limitation and they cannot do everything, so. From Motorola angle, what is the right business model and what are the issues and challenges? After you, Dr. Rao. Thank you, Jezo. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can very clearly. All right, thank you. So um, I have the opportunity to look at the um, Malaysia Smart City Framework, right? And I think the uh, the framework have outlined seven components and characteristics in the, you know, when you call Smart City, what are the characteristics and what are the components? from the uh, Malaysia Smart City uh, framework itself. So they, have, they are talking about seven. One is smart economy, smart, smart living, smart environment, smart people, smart government, smart mobility, and smart digital infrastructure. And they are all interconnected with each other. For example, right, uh, in the smart economy, how do we attract the investor to come in into your city or into this country? you need to have a good safety and security of the system that is fall under the smart living right and the uh, and and a smart environment for example now if i look at all the seven component and characteristic of the smart city i think this is this is the all seven are the area where motorola can add value into mm -hmm. the uh, characteristic. For example, I'm just giving an example. Smart living, right? One of key component in smart living is urban safety and uh, security, which is Motorola is a major player in that. 
smart environment. They're talking about disaster resilient cities. So you need to have a good infrastructure, a good uh, core uh, backend system that can provide and support that kind of requirement. Smart people empower the community. Uh, smart government, e-government service, smart mobility, for example, like integration, self-reliable. We are very much in the KBMRT Line 1, Line 2, LRT 3. Uh, uh, all the rail-related project is where Motorola is already in. And then they're talking about smart digital infrastructure, which is the area that we are also very much, very, very much uh, into that. So all the seven component and characteristics, this is where Motorola can add value into what the government is trying to do. Now, uh, you mentioned about the challenges, right? And if you look at Malaysia, for example, Malaysia, we are a three-tier government. So we have a federal government in Putrajaya, we have a state government in all the state, and we have a local government in all, I cannot remember how many, 170, 130 local authority, maybe, uh, local government. So the challenges is how uh, uh, is more. It's not so much on the technology. It is more on the structure and process, right? The initiative for the smart city. Who is championing it? Where does the budget come from? Who do we need to approach? So these are the challenges that we are facing, right? Uh, in terms of uh, reaching to the um, this agency, uh, our business model has always been we are working together with a local company, right? Uh, so that has always been our business model, and this is where we transfer our knowledge and technology to the local, so that they will you know undertake the project and we will support them with the skill, the technology, and the product that we have. Okay, thank you, Dato. Um, uh, actually, one of our speaker uh, panelists, uh, Dr. Fami. Okay, Dr. Yeah, Fami. Okay, um, from the Smart City Authorities, you know, because Dr. Fami is from SSDU, Smart Selangor Delivery Unit. Probably you can share with us, Dr. Fami, what do for the Smart City Authorities and uh, you know, what are the pertaining business value opportunities for these industry players, for the SMI and also the big players like Motorola and also Honeywell? Probably you can share with us as a, as a you know, custodian of the smart city. Hmm. Okay. okay. After you. Okay, thank you. Uh, let, let me just ask, can you guys hear me, by the way? Very clear, doctor. Okay, I can thank you. Catch. Perfect. That's perfect. Okay, thank you for the opportunity. I apologize that, I mean, this is not due to IoT that you can't see my picture on the screen. I think this is yeah. something else. Invisible man. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but let's share with you some 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 of the um, issues that we face here at the state yes. level. So the the smart slang or smart state program, essentially is trying to address in one of the hurdles, the main hurdles. I think Dr. Rolf mentioned it nicely. Um, in the state itself, we have had the the challenge of integrating IoT devices across 12 local councils, nine district offices, and then, and then how do we weave that data back to the state level? Mm -hmm. so, so when we talk about IoT from our perspective, it's means and ways on how we can actually obtain data, real-time data or near real-time data from the ground and from certain smart city verticals on the ground. Um, in doing that, I think the challenges I'd like to, to split it into three. Mm -hmm. I think this is probably the perspective that a lot of vendors, I think, um, either either probably couldn't couldn't appreciate or couldn't couldn't quite quite see. The first one, I think, the challenge that we have is actually at the device level. Okay, 
Second is storage, and third is on the analysis side. I'm going to tackle the device issue first. So from the state perspective, we, we obviously get some grant money to spend to try and build applications or IoT infrastructure for the state. Here we are faced with a bit of a Lazada sort of issue, right? <laughs> Take, for example, air quality sensor. We need one. I think the, Dr. Mazalan mentioned about the need to measure um, air quality. I can even talk about the water situation, <laughs> which is a recent <laughs> issue. So, yeah. so when it comes to like devices, I think there's a, there's a plethora of vendors. Hello, Doc. We lost Dr. Bazlan, I think. Anusha? Uh, just give us one moment, yeah, Dr. Dr. Fami. He's still there. He's still there, eh? Uh, yes, one second, yeah. He's still there. Uh, just give us one second. Hold on. Okay. Hello, can you guys hear me? Ah, okay, he's back. Yeah. Okay, well, I know what's going on. So, where did uh, did you guys get me at device or a uh, device? Okay, so so device yeah. Okay, sorry, but let me let me get that back to that point. Device. So yeah. on the device side, we have a, a plethora of uh, devices that can be used even for one application. So we talk about air quality sensors, right? Um, I think Dr. Mazla, I'll just share with you um, the extent of the problem, right? So in the Selangor state, previously when we had that haze situation. There are IoT devices by federal government, Jabatan Alam Sekitar. So they put forth seven units along the coastline of Selangor to detect pollution coming in from Sumatra. Obviously, that's when the big case comes in. Now, that only covers seven locations at the sea, sea line, the shoreline of Selangor. Now, we've got schools going inland, right? And what Selangor State have done, or we've done through Selangor State, is to, to install a hundred of these IoT air quality sensors that measures PM 2.5. So in the middle of the haze, when we began to see red readings, uh, readings above 150 according to the, the JAS uh, units, and, and we are sh showing perhaps 200, um, we can't use our readings to close down schools because they say the only legitimate standard is theirs, right? But one, the, the problem here is, is it was quite real because one of their units actually cost almost a thousand times more than one of our units. Wow. Right? <laughs> so I, the state can't, just, you know, in so much yes, as we yes. want to give it to, to the people and make sure people breathe clean air, we just can't afford that amount of money, you know, but these are federal government constructs within the state. So that's on, on the sort of um, the air quality part, right? So what we have done instead is to try and do extrapolation. So if the shoreline is showing 150 we're at 200, I think that's pretty linear and we can see smoke outside so we can shut our schools that way. So at least we we, we mm. had met that objective, you know, although it's not the smartest, but we use our sensors in that way. The second issue with the sensors is also, I think, the limitation of technology. The mm. recent um, water cut, that is caused by the inability to have a sensor that can actually detect smell. So, so what oh, happened in the state was, ah, this, so mm. yeah, so we had, you can name it, we have we had ammonia sensors in the water, in the river, we have pH, temperature, dissolved oxygen, smell, everything right? under the sun except for smell. Yep. So, so let me, let me share with you the difficulty that we, and, 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 and the, and the tr struggle that we had was uh, it, when, when that happened, the only way for us to backtrace the source of the pollution 
is to use a team, our our our, our internal SEAL team. Okay, you know, like in, in the Navy, they have a, the, the U.S. Navy SEALs, right? Where they where they track the, the the terrorists and all that. In the Selangor State, we have a special team called Pakar. Pakar uh, Pasukan Khas Alor Ai. Their job, their job, by the way, is to trace using this IoT device called Nose to track the smell and the bleach to the point of pollution. That was done, and it was done in like uh, within within half a day. So we managed to trace that source, um, and and that's the way how it was done. You know, uh, granted that if we had that sensor, it could be detected quicker, but but we don't. But we have to use other means to, to solve this. So, so that that's the two key things about about the devices. So one is the limitation of technology, and I think the second one I mentioned is the issue of. Uh, acceptability and also internal regulations or legislations within the state or, or, or even the whole country. Um, the, the other two, uh, two things that we face under devices also will be the issues of the security part of it. I think Honeywell probably have a solution to that. I think, so, so here we're talking about two security. There is the security of the internet, which seems to be solved by everybody, but there's also the issue of the security of the things themselves, right? We have a plan this year in our... So, so Smart Salang has been given a refresher this year. We've recently uh, got our new uh, blueprint to be approved um, by the state. Uh, it's a more, more focused program until 2025. Uh, in there, there's an initiative that's going to roll out a thousand CCTVs and build a, a state-integrated command control center. We're building a new one now. By the end of the year, we should have one. Um, the issue is how do we prevent hacking into our CCTV systems, right? So, so that sort of security at the device level is something that that will be required. And I think there's a lot in the market, and I think um, we probably don't have that level of expertise, uh, and we're open to, to pub, private sectors to come and help us. So that's the issues on the device side. I think on the storage side, again, here's an issue of uh, real-time data, real-time data coming in. Uh, there's an issue of formatting. There's an issue of... Um, storage right and what do we do and what to what to what level or what degree and extent should we keep this data you know um so in the state we have policies like cctv feeds will only be stored for four up until 45 days right beyond that we just can't afford it right um whether you store it on prem or whether you store it on the cloud i think i think there is an issue there and I think lastly, which is a problem that, that we are trying to uh, solve is the issue of when once given that data um what analyses can one do with that I mean, people talk a lot about value coming from data, right? And and a lot of it would come... Uh, I, I think if we we get a data scientist to look at the data, there's a lot of value that is to be extracted um, in so much so of solving the problem that was intended to solve initially. Uh, but I think that skill set is, is something that we have are focusing on on to build within the state itself. I mean, I mean, our operators, our CCTV operators, they've all got to be upgraded to sort of look at this uh, side of that data. So I think those are the three key issues. And I think the the thing that we face uh, with vendors usually we are being pro given the proposition given to us. Usually it's package. We get the device plus the connectivity plus the storage. And it's all in one price. And maybe, maybe from the state perspective, we needed to break that. And I think we need just to buy the components of it because uh, some parts of that components are being solved. You know, connectivity, for example. I mean, we've experienced with M two M from local telco operators. I mean, they're not very satisfactory. And I think I, I can't risk putting IoT on my automatic traffic lights based on these cards because. Uh, 
when whenever the, the, you know whenever we have heavy rains you know the signal just doesn't seem to get back to the command center right so we have to come up with our own solution there and i think we are building that infrastructure ourselves um, but but again here, here are the challenges and i think i'm open to to discussions with you guys thank you dr fami very uh, you know what i can say you know they talk about the issues on the device limitation of technology it's very interesting sensor for the smell mm. yeah that is very challenging i believe the, that that is something that probably uh you know that these technology solutions provider you know, can also look into this maybe i will get uh the family you hold your horses we get this uh mr norm from uh honeywell you know after listening to those issues you know from the authorities smart slango you know so uh, what is your comment, especially on this uh, device issue and also limitation of technology? So, uh, how does we like Honeywell? You, how do you you see in tackling this kind of issues? Two minutes. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for the question, and thank you for uh, uh, Dr. Fami for for laying some some interesting issues out. Um, I, I think you described several of them well, and obviously smell is a challenging sensor that, that we'd all like to solve. Um, I think I'd like to tackle the one point you brought up about this kind of the only way you can do is find a package and the package may not fit what your need is. And, and I agree with you that that will happen. And, and, and that's why one of the focuses we've had is uh, for our software to, to, to collect data, for example, we want it to be an open system environment. We want it to be agnostic of, of who makes the sensor or who makes the controller so that, you know, we can, if, if necessary, just provide that solution. If somebody needs a sensor, you know, fill that in. Um, so, so I do think this is really maybe at the core of this, it's about partnership. It's about the local governments um, and, and the local SMEs who are able to implement and the big MNCs to sit down around the table around a problem that needs to be solved and to put together a pragmatic workable solution that may have an end-to-end -end solution, but might often be um, pieces of a solution put together into a puzzle, or it might be a bespoke solution. And, and I, I think it's all about coordinating, sitting across the table, working together jointly instead of it kind of being the traditional, I want this, here's an RFQ, please deliver it to me. Maybe it should be, here's a problem. What might be, how could you contribute to the solution? Last thing I'd like to just highlight is cybersecurity is important, something a big focus of ours, because those end devices have to be protected as well as the system. Um, that's obviously critical. And then, and, and obviously we got a big focus on that in Malaysia, working with folks there to set standards and policies and, and then to implement them. And then obviously artificial intelligence is where the value is gonna come from. And I agree, you've gotta have local skills there, working with global experts together, again, back in a pragmatic partnership. Thank you. Thank you, Norm, uh, for your comment. I, I, I think cybersecurity is something that uh, many people also uh, started to increase the awareness because the more IoT, also the more uh, you call it uh, wireless or connectivity that we have, there's you no know, the 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 is the much 
what you call it, the much easier the thing being going to be uh, what you call it hacked and so forth. Cybersecurity, I agree, is one of the area. So in, in that context, uh, I would like to also uh, like what Dr. Fami mentioned. All the issues is also can convert into opportunities, you know, for these uh, like the players, international players, and also the local players, lah. Okay. In that context, just before I go to Dr. Mazlan, uh, Dr. Raouf, huh? I think Motorola is also one of the experts in security. So in terms of the security that has been mentioned, you know, the issues by Dr. Fahmi just now, you know, you know, when you, uh, how, how do you see the angle that, uh, that, you know, what are the business opportunity or that, that can be created from here and how does uh, you can, uh, you know, in the Motorola angle, how can you can solve the security issue? Right? All right, uh, thank you, Chazol. I think if I'm, as I listen to Dr. Fami just now, I think I should spend more time <laughs> with Dr. Fami. <laughs> I can see that there's a lot of opportunities there for us. I think Dr. Fami mentioned about the uh, storage uh, challenges, the analysis, uh, the security, the 1000 CCTVs and all that. So if you look at uh, Motorola, focus right uh, I, I mentioned earlier that we are in the mission critical ecosystem uh, well, pretty much uh, what the dr fami mentioned earlier uh, the area where we are focusing on for example like in the um, in the command center solution video security and analysis, uh, Dr. Mabing mentioned, we are also very much into this analysis and in the analytics. So this is the this is the area that we can add uh, value uh, to the challenges and uh, some of the issues faced by uh, by some of these uh, smart city uh, organization. Uh, Motorola is very much into into the smart city. For example, that our CCTV is been widely used by a lot of the local authority here in Malaysia. So this is area that we can add value into the uh, some of the challenges and issue faced. Yep. And security definitely. Motorola, I think, is um, uh, security. We emphasize a lot on security, cyber security, network security, and all that. So these are the area that we can add value to the challenges that we've been Thank yeah. you, Dato. Uh, back to you, Dr. Mazlan. As an SME, after listening to uh, Dr. Fahmi on all the, you know, the issues on the device, limitation of technology, security, and also linking to that, you know, the data analytics, the skill sets that is lacking and so forth. How, how do you see the business opportunities that, uh, you know, from the SME's angle and how does the local smaller companies can contribute to this? After you, Dr. Mazlan. Okay, uh, I, I'm very uh, interested when uh, Dr. Fami mentioned about that device and all that. I would say like smart cities, uh, any smart cities project or any countries have their own DNA. I mean, human have their own DNA. The DNA makes any human, uh, each human different. So the same thing with smart cities. Smart cities have also a, what we call DNA. The D is the devices. The N is the network. The A is the applications. So in terms of technology-wise, if you look at these three things, they have different maturity levels. So if you look at devices, uh, what Dr. Fami mentioned, sometimes uh, the devices is not matured enough. The technology is not there, you know, for no sensor and all that electronic noise. There, there are some, but sometimes there, a lot of times, 
uh, this kind implement implementation uh, gives us the opportunity to create new devices. A lot of implementation, especially in this kind of environment, uh, is not consumer based, but like uh, enterprise based, smart city based. Because of that environment itself, it gives opportunities for people to create new devices. Of course, new devices have also their own challenges because you can't scale up. I mean, you might have very limited numbers. If you have a big numbers, then you can reduce the price down. But because the situation is too unique, sometimes you need to customize that. So in terms of network-wise, uh, we see opportunities where you know, I, I think opportunities only for the telco themselves, of course, because, uh, but it also allows us to create cheaper solutions. For example, when the telco provide us with uh, alternative technologies, for example, in IoT, they have their own network, the LP1. You know, you have Sigfox, you have NB-IoT, you have LoRa. So these are the new networks, which is very, very cost-effective. So previously, it's very difficult for us to provide these kind of solutions. Now it's much cheaper because uh, it's maybe five to ten times cheaper than the previous cellular network, and this can reduce the price. So it allows uh, people like us can provide a better and cost-effective service. The third part is the applications. This is where we can play a big role too. But of course, we need to understand what kind of requirements uh, from the the city councils or the smart cities uh, projects what they want. From there, we can create the the new IoT solutions. For example, like us, what us, for us, we give the platform, we open up the platform, this IoT platform for developers to create their own solutions. So they can come in, subscribe to the platform, connect whatever sensors they want on the platform and use the API to create their own applications. But we also need to understand, we need to get smart cities or whoever responsible for data to make it open. So we, we need the government to allow data to be shared. So the moment we can share the data, regardless, like you can have a new revenue model if you want to, and then utilize the data for many applications. So this will allow people like us, whoever the new startups can utilize the applications and create better solutions, many uh, creative solutions with the, the data that we can have. You can blend the data from many, many sources of uh, information. And that will allow people like us to, to come on board and help the smart city. Thank you, Dr. Mazdan. Um, I, I have a... Okay, generally there's a, a, a new term, uh, DNA, DNA, good, good. Devices, network and applications. Huh? It's something easy to remember. Yeah, uh, I believe there's a, a need by the, uh, you know, the service provider, even the SMEs, you know, or also international players to understand the needs of these, uh, what you call it, these uh, smart city authorities users, okay? And I think that in terms of uh, identifying the needs, there is a, should be uh, many engagements, which is where I believe also the government is also looking into that, you know, providing platforms, providing opportunities, but uh, now with the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic, all has to go online, which is something, a new norm. And uh, one, there is one question here by the uh, uh, one of the audience saying on the security just now, whether using blockchain technology to store critical data can reduce hacking of the IoT platform and data opportunities. Uh, Dr. Mazda, you want to answer that just for a short one minute? Blockchain technology. 
no, I, I, I do believe blockchain is more than just having Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the blockchain is a more a technology that can secure data. So it can oh, be okay. utilized in many, many solutions, many, many applications. Okay. And it can be used at, even for what uh, he mentioned just now to store the critical data. So the only thing what we need is to ensure that blockchain is, you know, uh, is le uh, legal and to be used uh, in this kind of manner. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, what, what about you, Mr. Norm? Uh, what do you think about blockchain? You know, can it be used as uh, one of technology to store critical data and to reduce the hacking? Because as highlighted by Dr. Fahmi just now, security is, a, is an, an issue. So how do you see blockchain role in uh, in in what you call it in uh, security? Can it help in uh, protecting the critical data? I, yeah, the answer is yes. Um, I think it's still early days in being developed, but we're certainly looking at it and beginning to use it as a way to, to store data, protect data, keep data safe. Um, it's got a lot of good applications, but I think I think it's still early days and, and there's a lot of opportunity there. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's good. Um, uh, I would like to uh, pose this question back to Dr. Fahmi. You know, Dr. Fahmi? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And, and how do you see here for the smart city authority and industry players, you know, from your angle as a smart city authority can help each other to capture the business value and opportunities in IoT. Because generally this is what they are looking for. And then mm. maybe on, from your view, how the how do you know authority and industry players can help each other? So mm. after okay. you, Doctor. Okay, so thank you for that. The good good question there. Um, I, I, I hear what, what has been mentioned by Dr. Rao of uh, Norm and Dr. Mazlan. Um, what we are finding, like I say, um, we've got to solve this problem almost from first principles. To use IoT, we think there is an issue that needs to be resolved on the connectivity side itself because you needed reliable connectivity. And I think that is still an issue. Mm. Maybe it's only unique to Selangor, but that's what we're seeing in Selangor itself. Um, and, and second, there's an issue of the storage and the device side. So I think uh, Dr. Mazlan's model about building that platform is that that's particular. That's one route, that, or actually, there's one opportunity that that we are. Hello, Dr. Fahmi. Anusha. Right. Okay. Okay. You are back. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. We lost you about 20 oh, seconds. 20 okay, seconds. Okay. 20 seconds. <laughs> you repeat so, yeah. the 20 yeah. seconds. I get back to my 20 seconds. So, yes, so yes. basically what I'm saying is um, the way we can we can help work together, I think in, in, in strengthening this IoT infrastructure development in, in under Smart Selangor, we are building um, an IoT platform. And by that, the main component that we're solving there will be the connectivity side and also the storage side to ensure that we can capture real-time data. And I think this is probably something Dr. Mazelan is familiar with. A lot of government agencies say that they share open data. But what they share essentially, or most of the time, will be stuff in Excel spreadsheet, right? And he's grinning already. Um, <laughs> and it's not the sort of data that you require if you want to build the sort of applications that you want to build. You require yeah. something real-time. And I think we've, we've really experienced this. Um, um, we have a pilot in Subang Jaya I want to share with you um, to try and build a brain that could create adaptive traffic lights. And this means connecting 14 sets, one for traffic lights, um, throughout the one stretch, right? 
And exactly the problem we're facing is with M2M, local telco connectivity doesn't work. So we have to build our own point-to-point -point type solutions to make sure we get that real-time data at very, very um, low latency um, so, so, that, um, so that we get real-time data so, so the processors can quickly uh, run the algorithms and, and tinker with the traffic lights to make sure traffic flow is more optimized. So, so I think if we manage to crack that, and I think this will be the opportunity for the private sectors to focus their development, like Dr. Mazalan rightly said, on the application side, right? And as well as on the device side, and I think these are the areas that gov government like us won't get involved in. Um, but I think there's a lot of opportunities to work together there to, to try and, uh, and, and solve that particular problem. Um, there's a whole list of, of, of new opportunities within our new blueprint. So I urge you to look at uh, smartslango.com.my under publications. On the IoT, I can quickly just, just highlight here for, for everybody that uh, we have a target that by within five years from now, we will have at least 100,000 new devices that will be connected. And these could be CCTV cameras, could be smart water meters, etc. We, uh, we're building an IoT platform to enable collaboration between government and the private sector, as you mentioned earlier on. Um, and there will be uh, the other two things will be um, creating that that IoT uh, training and awareness program. I think it's something a bit more a bit more developed than a, a normal makers program, you know, um, um, and and also training on the sort of data analytics side and what can you do with data that that sort. So so these are uh, among some of the things that we will be uh, focusing on uh, and, and enabling that for the Slango state. So these are the opportunities, and I think co collaboration is a way forward, really. Okay, thank you, Dr. Fami. Mm -hmm. And okay, uh, so I think you can hear from Dr. Fami what, what the DNA, uh, Dr. Mazdan, device, network, and application, where he mentioned that device and application were the opportunities uh, for the, the industry players uh, to work on. And I believe uh, you guys also need to look into the Smart Slango uh, blueprint uh, until 2025. And also recapping that is, you know, the issue of connectivity is not only in Selangor, I believe it's uh, statewide, especially in the Sabah and Sarawak state also, uh, connectivity uh, is, is an issue. And also this was also raised in one of our uh, webinar, you know, with all the smart city stakeholders and storage and data issue. And also on how do you process data to be interpret to be something that is valuable that can be converted into real-time data that can be used to for the device to make decisions. Okay, and and uh, Mr. Nom, I just, uh, we, you, we can't run away from this question. You know, it was put in my, in, the, in this paper for me. COVID-19 pandemic impact of to the IoT infrastructure development. Uh, where in the Honeywell angle, what are the business opportunities, value and opportunities with this COVID-19 pandemic? How do you see the business opportunities that can be uh, created uh, with this new norm? After you, Mr. Norm. Sure, thank you. Well, first of all, um, you know, I think one thing COVID-19 showed us is for those who didn't believe in digitalization and IoT and connectivity, that it's it's actually critical and it works. I mean, we, we all went from operating in an office to now we're operating remotely from homes all over the world. We're operating plants remotely. We're starting up plants or, or inspecting buildings, whatever. So. I think I talked to a lot of companies who said, you know, I had a digital agenda, 
but really only about 20% of my team really bought into it pre-COVID. Now it's 100%. Everybody kind of gets that there's something big here. So I think it's coming out of COVID, we're going to have a lot of energy and enthusiasm about taking this new connectivity, this new way of working and putting it to use. So that's one thing. Um, I think the second thing is, I think uh, different parts of the world have used what was already in place to to manage COVID in a better way. You know, some uh, countries actually quickly set up within days COVID command and control centers where they could monitor the cases, monitor the people, use the isolation and quarantine, make sure people uh, kept to it. Um, There's been software developed almost overnight for nurses to interact with COVID patients and and keep up with them. And a whole new connectivity of, of patients and hospital and medical care that's leveraged mobility, leveraged sensors, leveraged data. You know, within Honeywell, we we pivoted also ourselves. Um, you know, we were very focused on what we called smart buildings. Well, now the focus is on healthy buildings. How do you monitor people that come in for temperature? Are they wearing uh, face masks if required? How many people in an elevator? How many people in a floor? Are people congregating? Um, we've developed a, a new solution that a robot that goes down the row of an airplane to uh, to basically, you know, clean it up with UV lights uh, in, in, in two minutes, you know. So I, I think this has taught us a lot about how to put things together and, and leverage what's there. I guess the last comment I would give you, the one learning we had within in Honeywell during COVID, is we actually were able to do things a lot faster and a lot quicker because mm. of the urgency and crisis than we than we did in the normal environment. In the mm. normal environment, you're kind of stuck with processes and systems and benchmarks and stage gates. When COVID hit, that all went out the window and creativity started flowing and people said, well, I could do this and connect this and this application and this. We took our Honeywell Forge, which we were looking to, to, you know, be promoting for a customer platform to gather data and do AI. We've leveraged it internally to monitor offices, monitor our people, monitor our cases and that. So I think COVID has brought a sense of urgency. It's brought a sense of the benefits of digitalization. It's brought some new ideas in healthy building and healthcare. Let's keep it going. Mm. Okay, thank you, Norm. But uh, we hope that the COVID pandemic don't uh, prolong that yeah, long. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we want. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want COVID to keep going. We want COVID to stop. But okay. the learnings we okay. want to keep going. Thank you for correcting okay. me. Yes. Okay, <laughs> Motorola. How do you see this COVID nineteen pandemic is? Uh, is it uh, what sort of you know uh, business opportunities that we could uh, uh, you know we could uh, get from this uh, current situation? You know, I hope you don't uh, uh, wish that the COVID nineteen pandemic can prolong longer. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thank you. So I think um, when we're talking about COVID, we are talking about social distancing, 
face mask, temperature reading, and, and plus others, right? So, and uh, Norm has mentioned about the creativity and innovation. So what came up out of this is the analytic part of our CCTV, the back end part of it. So mm -hmm. we can actually identify the, um, the social distancing, uh, people who are wearing masks or not wearing masks, and then temperature reading. So these are the new innovation, the new technology, especially on the analytic part of it that has been embedded into our CCTV solution. So today we have an offering to the organization, to the government, to people uh, on how we can do and address the issues on social distancing, people not um, using a facial mask and also temperature reading. So this is something that's come out. Mm -hmm. uh, and okay. Thanks, thanks, Dr. Rao. Yeah, generally, the new norms, you know, social distancing, uh, traceability, video analytics is, uh, is uh, the needs is increasing uh, generally. So, okay, uh, thank you, Dr. Rao. Uh, but from the, uh, Dr. Mazlan, eh, from the uh, angle of these uh, SMEs, uh, local place SMEs, how, how do you see the COVID-19 pandemic? And then is there any business opportunities? that is uh, created through this pandemic, Dr. Mazdan? I'm, I'm sure a lot of SMEs are affected, <laughs> okay? <laughs> <laughs> very, very much affected is because of the situation uh, limits them in terms of their business. But somehow during the COVID-19, a lot of the, the, the players have already uh, pivoted in terms of, uh, you know, instead of uh, engaging on this, the current market, they have to pivot into a different market. This is the situation that we are facing, like, you know, the importance of healthcare, you might see that, because the fear of density in cafe, in restaurants, in sports, music events, and all that, also give a new opportunity for us to provide a new services for them, you know, once you are in, inside this kind of subways or trains. You know, you, you take a look at contact tracing before that. We don't even have that contact tracing. People have been doing that. You look at compliance monitoring. Is there a way for us to provide compliance monitoring, especially people who, uh, you know, quarantine people, citizens who come back to Malaysia for two weeks? We, we, you know, we need to find ways of how to quarantine that, manage that uh, from, from remote. You see the acceleration of this retail, retail sector. So a lot of companies, the SMEs, are now being digitalization. So they see this is a very important factor for them to reach out to a bigger market. So re work from home is one of the things that people have been doing now. So to decrease, I mean, to, to, to reduce the cost. But also during the smart cities, it also gives us to understand, uh, you know, uh, the, the quality of the governance, you know, the scale of inequalities, especially now you see that internet is the most key important, telecommunications is one of the important areas that we need to, to address for, and uh, digitalization. So. Because of that, digitalization, you know, this create a new opportunity for people to come on board. And uh, we, we have to find ways. And that's why I think I just like to add, uh, Zul, about the initiative that we have done together with Mike and all that and oh, yeah, the rest sure. of the stakeholders, the Mike ICSE, the Malaysian International Smart City, uh, Smart Sets, uh, International uh, Center. Sustainable uh, center for smart cities. Eh? So for this, we have a platform for to encourage uh, exchange of information because give an opportunity for other people to go to one-stop center, a platform 
for them to see what are the opportunities out there. And they can mix and match in terms of business and also the opportunity, uh, what, what the government or the states are doing. So from there, they can see the resources. From there, they can take a look. So, so they go to icic-my.org. They can look into this information. And this is where the opportunity is. Now. So one last note is that maybe, maybe, uh, my suggestion is that maybe it's about time after the, during this pandemic, maybe we need to relook back our smart city blueprint. <laughs> the, the priority might be different, right? <laughs> okay. thank, you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we in my, uh, we together, we think uh, working with MSCA, actually Malaysia Smart City Alliance, is uh, an association or a platform. Dr. Mazlan also is one of the uh, committee members. But it is a platform where all the industry players, stakeholders uh, gathers there to look into on how we could help uh, to promote the sustainable cities and smart cities uh, program in the country. And also is a also for the my SCS is a one point one one stop platform. So I encourage the uh, audience and also the uh, panelists to explore more on my SCS. And uh, before that, I would like to touch with uh, Dr. Fami. If you are Dr. Fami still around, or just yes. your, your comment on the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic and uh, the business opportunities that it can be created. Maybe five minutes, four for five minutes. Okay, thank you. Um, the our experience is essentially what Norm has just mentioned. Um, what I or we were at SSD, what we were trying to push about four years ago to go digital, to become smart. And people thought that this is going to be super expensive. It's going to need smart people like you only. The whole state couldn't accept it because not everybody is smart. I think when COVID hit us, I think today I'm, I can confidently say there is not a single politician in the state that refuses to go digital. Right? I think everyone <laughs> yeah, is on board. And I think now they have their own interpretation what digital is beyond spreadsheets or word processes. Right? Now they really understand it, right? So, so I think that uh, it has been quite positive for us. And the other thing also is, like everybody says, seeing is believing. Now, I'll just share with you, like one of the things that we we as a new word uh, involved in uh, during the pandemic was, um, I think people talk about contact tracing and all that. We had to solve, and I think we were perhaps the first states that began to to do something called smart containment. And that means containing, containing, quickly containing the right areas, the areas where they were exhibiting a lot of cases. And I think Selangor being very, very highly densely populated state, we had that issue at the very beginning. So uh, the state wanted dashboards, the state wanted how can we coordinate PDRM, the hospital services, health services, local councils, down to even the garbage collectors such that mm. when you have a case and you know where the patient houses are where they go to work at you know i think we, we can we can we we subtly pass um, in this information to all these operators and i think even to this to, to this day thank touch wood and i hope that none of our waste collectors are infected with covid-19 despite the jobs that they are doing because mm, they are guided good. and guided by this this data that we provided and i think it is the whole infrastructure that we built to make sure that this this particular dashboard and control system um, remains online live and updated and the information gets accessible by everybody i think this is a, a solution i think perhaps can be applied to other states that is facing this you know sabah perhaps today can use this sort of tool to to, to make sure they can run this kind of containment faster and quicker so so there are issues like that and i think people are benefiting you know before 
um, because we had that pandemic over Ramadan, right? If you remember, it was Ramadan and yeah, Hari Raya. Yeah. So people, those people who were craving that ayam perche and all the local delicacies still got them. And I think that was the power of the, the state itself embarked on an e-kitchen initiative, encourage a lot of the traders to go online. And I think these guys are still reaping the benefits of being able to sell stuff online, food stuff online. And they don't need to to go and uh, you know have have those illegal illegal structures by the side of the road just to get their their, their sales uh, going and they can just sell it online now so i think that has helped um, okay. the economy to certain bit so i think these are the, the real seeing is believing and experiencing what iot and what iot could positively impact us at the government to our for our operations as well as the people so i think it be very it was, it was quite quite positive for us okay thank you dr fami and um I think the the other thing that uh, as per what this topic uh, is uh, all about is about creating business opportunities and I believe there are roles by the government and also the uh, you know the industry players and and maybe a, a quick comment you know what do you think that the, from uh, first is to uh, Dr Mazdana what do you think the first thing that you know one th important thing that the government need to do other than the data sharing i know that government need to allow data sharing that is something that we are in the government also uh trying to move towards you know working towards how we can share data you know so even though data between interagency and also interministry within the government so uh, we are moving towards that so what do you think that the first thing important thing that the government need to do to promote the business opportunities in iot infrastructure so, so i think the, the, the framework is already there it's the execution part so I'll, I'll just suggest on the execution part i think a lot of times when we we see and uh, meet with uh, a lot of organizations or local council the, the, the problem is the because most of them work in silos maybe it's very difficult for them to implement mm. execute that so implement, maybe yeah. maybe we can suggest that appoint a chief smart safety officer so it okay. breaks down all the barriers. You have that vision, mission, uh, technology-wise and the business-wise that can drive until uh, the, the solutions is fully deployed. I, I like the way Chief, what Selangor uh, has done, the SSD. Chief Smart, Chief, Chief Smart City. Chief Smart City Officer. Smart City Technology Officer. It's a new post. So they might have, they need one in the project management office. What, like, SSD we have been doing. So yeah, okay. they, they really manage the total project so that you can see end to end. So uh, I hope that the rest of the states have A that similar, similar setup, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, uh, Naturao, your comment, what the first thing that very important that you think that the government needs to do? Lah? I think this is uh, very much uh, similar and very much aligned to what Dr. Mazlan has mentioned. The blueprint, the framework. Implementation, so, eh? Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. all more on the implementation part of it. Okay. So implementation. Okay. We have got so many planning. You know, the implementation, I think, is a challenge for our country. I think two things that are important is the implementation and, and also on the monitoring of, of our blueprint or what our, whatever framework that we have already established. These two areas that I believe that also the government need to uh, emphasize lah. once you have got the plan implement monitor report and also update the plan maybe the plan is not you no know, like 
like you mentioned in the COVID pandemic, maybe Dr. Mazan also mentioned the framework need to be reviewed. You know, like so with the government, they are also reviewing the RMK12 and so forth. Norm, any input from you for the what do you think that the government in Malaysia, you know, from your perspective, that what is the first thing that we should do in order to to stimulate or to increase the business opportunities? Um, well, I agree with the previous comments. I like the smart city officer idea. We actually would <laughs> we actually would have called it. A, I actually focused it on a dynamic smart city organization which is a mix of the government sector and public sector, uh, private sector um, talents. I, I still think this is about a partnership and a collaboration. I think uh, both sides have a lot to contribute. Obviously, some programs are, are going to be very government-driven and government-focused, but many are very open for, for profit in the private sector and SMEs. So I would just take the smart city officer, make it a dynamic smart city organization that's a mix of, of public mm. and private sector uh, stakeholders. Yep, thank you, Norm. And um, for, I think also for the uh, Dr. Fahmi, uh, I think they are talking about the angle from the, what do the, the needs of this uh, government? Probably you in the state, how, how do you see what are the, you think that, uh, you know, what are the industry, you know, they need to do in order to capitalize, lah, to capitalize the business opportunities of IoT from the government. So your, your, your angle, for, representing the state, I, I assume it's also from the government side. Lah. Okay, so um, the way we, I, I think, like, like I said, we always face with things being sold to us, right? The main issue there is sometimes most of the things do not really address our specific needs. I think there has to be that, that engagement and what we call a discovery process. Norm mentioned about this dynamic smart city officer team, mm -hmm. I think, I want to advertise here like openly that it is SSDU because we are almost, most of us are private sector guys who went to government. Uh, we face uh, the, the challenges and all that. Um, and I, but I think that there is that, I mean, I mean we, we act as that, as that buffer that because we understand what the requirements are uh, truly. And I, and I think um, rather than, than, than going to the end user per se, because at the end of the day, I think if you take one example, CCTV, right? You could sell one to PJ, sell it 11 times to 11 other councils, but there's, it becomes pointless if they are not all connected. And I think if I wanted to roll out a thousand CCTVs, ideally you want to get that 1,000 feet and those 1,000 feet are acted in the same way everywhere in the state. Right, so I think this is the challenge that that, that we have at, at at the implementation level. Um, uh, so 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 uh, yeah, uh, we we certainly mm. have a model, and I think our request to the private sector and federal government is the following. Mm. I think um, we mm, have a target okay. in 2025. I think the government itself is still trying to experiment. Perhaps several cities in Malaysia to do that. Uh, we mm, yeah. I don't know when the, the end dates will be, but we have an end date in 2025. I would say. Here's an opportunity for to even for the federal government to come and mm -hmm. assist and back us up, provide all the I think either financial or policy support or even investment support for uh, foreign companies like Motorola or, or Honeywell to come in and, and 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 experiment with us because we have a definite plan and we have a definite end date, and I think that's mm -hmm. a good trial and take us as that as that test bed for us to really implement smart city properly in the context of the Selangor State. Okay. Thank you.
Thank you, uh, Dr. Fami. So, and um, generally, what I can uh, conclude here is that, of course, the role of both sides, you know, for the uh, from where from uh, the government side or the uh, state side, understanding the needs yeah, is very important. Huh? So, you guys have to. Uh, explore and understand more of what are the needs of the smart city uh, authority also the federal government okay so of course one way for you to access is as uh, dr mazar also mentioned just now is through our my icsc portal we have got the information there but it's still we we are now keep building up the portal because it's like a one-stop center where uh, industry players uh, government stakeholders academia can access and look on what are the uh what are the other smart city stakeholders are doing of course uh and then also uh i can say that also in terms of this uh focal point uh, as you can say the focal point you have a focal point like the chief smart city technology officer you know because like not all state have got like ssdu you know, what i understand like in uh, Sarawak, they have got SMA, Sarawak Multimedia Agency, that is also doing this uh, uh, initiative by the state on smart city. And Penang also have got a unit that has just been formed, that Penang Digital Corporation, and Johor, you got Johor Digital Corporation, and so forth. And I believe, uh, I do agree, because uh, handling the smart city and also in terms of the IoT on how to accelerate the business is that uh, they need to be a focal point. Uh, where, of course, uh, we in the government is uh, pushing towards that. Okay, and then, and I also, okay, just to uh, generally, what I, I can say is that, of course, you know, we have got new new terms just now where, of course, the sensor technology, I would like to look at sensor technology play an important role. And also the challenge also in terms of uh, smell, you know, smell. So there's one area where the smelling sensor which is something that where the uh, MNC eh, need to look into the needs on how, you know, because we in Selangor, they have to do it manually. Paka, paka, pasukan has alu air. So to identify where does the source of the pollution. And uh, the other thing, of course, yang that has been shared is on the digitization, eh, digitalization. Yes, because this digitalization is uh, also in the smart city framework where i believe is also critical not only for Selangor but all state is also uh moving to digitalization but then the issue is that how can the government support digitalization and what are the business models that we could drive in moving to digitalization because it's all involved funding and this is where i believe also digitalization is something that is critical in order for us to improve our connectivity and network and and other than that i what i can conclude here also in our discussion also is that uh one is is that the need of uh collaboration uh, between the smi and also the uh, uh multinational players no and to see on how how smi can participate you know this is where where if uh, the uh, the platform is the opportunity is given by the uh, multinational player for the smi so this is where the smi can come in and contribute because some of the solutions that you need need some local touch this is where uh, in the involvement of this smi local base is important in uh, participating with the global players like honeywell or motorola 
And uh, just one, uh, before I close, just one last comment. Last comment from each panel. Anusha, I have got a few minutes to go, is it? Yes. Yes, okay, can. just last it comment. Um, Dr. Mazlan, okay. What is your wish list? Uh, uh, one minute, what wish list, you know, from the <laughs> government or for the industry? No, I think uh, every state has their own different pain points. So, yes. sure we need to meet their own DNA. DNA, eh? yeah, DNA. <laughs> <laughs> the maturity of the DNA is different. So, uh, also when we look at blue, uh, brownfield and greenfield, smart cities also have a different solution. So, what we need is that uh, the smart part of the smart city is mainly the application part. Lah. The, the rest, maybe 80% mm -hmm. of the whole implementation investment might be in the infrastructure. So we, we still need to start with infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure before we yes. put the intelligence Okay. Okay, uh, Dr. Rao, one minute, your last comment, uh, your wish or you know, how do you see you, how we can grow the business? Yeah, thank you. I think it's a good discussion. So like I said earlier, if I look at the smart city component and characteristic, and this is what the smart city is trying to do, uh, we can, Motorola solution can add value to each and every one of these components. So we can actually work together. And I think it's, uh, and, and we already started, and we already started working together, especially with Dr. Fami for the, um, in the smart salangor area. And we will continue to work uh, with the uh, other state as well to add value to what we can offer to this uh, framework, smart city framework. Okay, Norm, from you, any, uh, what is your, you know, wish list? Huh, one minute for the government or for the industry? Well, I, I think for both governments and industry, as we um, hopefully end COVID here soon and move forward, I think it's a great opportunity to kind of take a step change in this smart city and digitalization. Because everybody got connected and digitalized and immersed in this over the crisis. We were able to develop a lot of solutions, us and many other companies, a lot of new applications came out. Let's now build upon this together, working in a partnership between governments, SMEs, local SMEs and multinationals to achieve the vision that Malaysia set out, which is a very impressive vision. Let's, uh, let's, use, let's use this crisis as it hopefully ends soon to move forward in this space. I'm excited about it. Okay, thank you, Norm. Uh, you have uh, any last word, Dr. Fahmi? Um, I just want to take the opportunity to uh, encourage private sectors, local and foreign, to come and approach us. Because certainly what we offer in the smart state is we have issues to, to, to resolve. And what we offer are two main challenges. I think one will be the scalability issue, because uh, whatever is implemented absolutely needs to be scalable. And second is because Selangor is not as, as rich as Malaysia as, as a country, um, is the cost side, the affordability side. And I think we always put forth that challenge. But hey, you know, if it works in Selangor, it will work anywhere in Malaysia. That's the opportunity yeah. for you guys out there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Fahmi. Okay, and uh, I believe I have uh, captured almost all the key points, Anusha, because we look at the... Uh, yeah, one more thing that we also we need to focus in future is the cybersecurity. Where I think this is also getting uh, critical and critical with the more connectivity, you know, IoT and so forth. And, uh, okay, and I think I would like to thank all the panelists, you know, Norm, Dr. Rao, Mazda, and also Dr. Fami. Uh, we hope your system could be okay in the future. So that you, <laughs> <laughs> it's not because the IoT, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we cannot see you. 
Uh, okay. By the way, Dr. Fami is a handsome guy, so don't worry, you know. <laughs> and, uh, okay, that's it for me, Anusha. I think I'll pass back to you. Thank you very much, the panelists. Anusha. Okay. All right. Thank you, Zul. Uh, and to all our panelists for a fruitful discussion. Thank you so much. Hope today's dis talk has benefited all. We look forward to seeing you at our next webinar session. Please follow on Mike's Malaysia's Twitters, IG, Facebook, and website for further information. You can also contact our secretariat to subscribe to my webinar series. Have a nice evening ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you, everyone. All right, okay, bye. see you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 bye.